You're listening to the NetDocuments Cloudcast with Stephen and Mike. Here we talk everything NetDocuments, along with relevant events and technology, and a few other things sprinkled in. Welcome to our next episode of the NetDocuments Cloudcast. You know, I almost forgot the name of this. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, but today we've got some really good things lined up. In fact, a little bit later on, you're going to hear an interview with J.B. Trexler, who is our manager of professional services here at NetDocuments, and, and talk about implementations. Um, but before that, Stephen, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Mike. I'm, I'm excited to be on, the, on this episode of the Cloudcast. I'm uh, excited to hear the interview with J.B. I worked with J.B. Uh, very closely for some time doing implementations of NetDocuments. Uh, he's a great guy with and uh, with some great insight and, and uh, expertise with not just net documents implementation, but just in the legal vertical itself. Uh, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, so am I. He's a, he's a great guy. Been fishing lately? You know, actually, I have. I went uh, last weekend, um, and a lot of people think I'm crazy. I'm one of the few guys on the river when it's snowing, but it's one of my favorite times to fish, and it was a, it was a great day. It was cold standing out there in the water, but uh, wouldn't have it any other way. Oh, that's great. That that does sound quite nice. Maybe one of these days you'll convince me. <laughs> I'll work on it. <laughs> okay, I'm sure you will. So we want to we wanna start off our episode today by talking about another recent announcement by NetDocuments. Uh, we recently announced a new innovative product called NDMail. And so, Stephen, can you tell us just a little bit about ND Mail and what it is? Absolutely. You know, this is something when it hit the press uh, just, a, a, I believe it was a couple weeks ago now, uh, depending on when this, this podcast is being listened to by our listeners out there. Um, but it was just hit the press just a few weeks ago. And what it actually is, so one of the things about Net Documents, yes, we are a document management system. Uh, managing files in a in an intuitive manner so that you can easily get to them from a cloud environment. Well, equally as important, we find as we are interacting with our customers is the management of emails. And since its inception, NetDocuments has been trying to to come up with innovative ways to which we can manage the uh, one way I heard it put recently was the tsunami of emails that come into uh, an inbox day in and day out, whether it's for an attorney, uh, staff, uh, uh, administrator of an organization. How do we get through uh, managing those emails and more importantly, filing them in an intuitive manner so that I can get to them and see that critical information just like I would go to see uh, any of my documents. And so what NDMail is, is a new way to get emails filed into your document management system, into net documents that reduces the effort from the individual themselves. It, get, it brings to the market, not just filing of emails, but predictive filing of emails. It actually is analyzing the content of your emails, as well as analyzing the content of emails that have been filed in the past to tell an individual where the email should go. And then with one click, I'm able to file that email to the system. So it's giving me assistance to get my emails into the correct spot. But it not, doesn't just do that. It also gives you additional information on how to collaborate, how to know when my colleagues have filed some of the same emails that I've been on. And so it's giving me really a new way, an innovative way for me to get my emails 
uh, not just filed, but to manage them, to, to truly bring to, to the market a way to intelligently and effectively and efficiently manage my emails. Wow, that's pretty cool. In, in fact, in our press release, there was a, a word that stood out in the press release um, that I think is overused, but in this case may actually be accurate, is we called ND Mail a game changer in the legal industry. Yeah. And, and based on what you said, you know, it's it's predictive filing. It, uh, it it does analysis. In fact, you know what the buzzword is in the legal industry right now? It's it's AI, machine learning. Yeah. And that's Absolutely. exactly what this does. It's got the machine learning background uh, or the back end of the system to go ahead and, and put those predictions just right in front of the user. I'm curious, there are other email filing solutions out on the market, including others provided by NetDocuments, you know, our, our EMS mm -hmm. solution, our ND Office. How does ND Mail differentiate itself from other solutions? Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a great question. You, like, like you said, this is not the first email management solution. The, the email filing solution. In fact, it's not the first predictive email filing solution. Uh, some may remember uh, a couple of years ago, NetDocuments actually acquired a predictive emailing solution, a uh, decisive email from Recommind that offered very similar capabilities here to, to, to what ND Mail offers. But what makes this different? What changes the game here, uh, that, that game-changing word, is that this is truly cloud-based. So when we look at some of the other predictive technologies, they do require uh, some sort of, of hardware, whether it's a server that's running those analysis. When you're looking at intelligence today, uh, you know, that, that buzzword AI, when we're looking at that, oftentimes intelligent applications require that that carbon footprint, if you will, that local server in order to run that machine learning process. Well, ND Mail changes that. ND Mail is truly cloud-based. It is using the, the NetDocuments SaaS solution, the, the, the true cloud platform, single instance platform, to run those analytics. So from if I'm a customer of NetDocuments and I'm using ND Mail, all I do is, is download it. And I, I plug that in. It's just a simple client-side plug-in. And I let NetDocuments do the work for me. So that cloud back-end bringing intelligence to the cloud is really what makes NDMail a, a revolution uh, in not just the legal industry, but in cloud computing in general. Wow, that's pretty powerful that it is fully cloudified. Um, and obviously, there's an Outlook plug-in. So there's an, an add-in that, that uh, gets installed within Outlook for those for those predictions, but to have mm -hmm. the back end fully in the cloud on the multi-tenant NetDocuments platform is, is pretty amazing. And to be able to utilize the power of the machine learning technologies that are already and have been embedded in NetDocuments for years, is, that's quite nice. So it's a, it's a mature machine learning technology that now we're exposing into the ability to file emails. So that's great. So Ooh, the, that's very exciting. The last question on ND Mail is, you know, we announced this uh, during Legal Tech New York, which was at the end of January 2018. When do we believe that ND Mail will be available for the general population? 
Yeah, absolutely. That is the burning question on everyone's mind right now because everyone can't wait to get their hands on it so that they can take advantage of it. So as you mentioned, uh, it was publicly released at Legal Tech the end of January. Uh, it is uh, being refined right now in a beta program, and we expect the generally available release, the general availability release, to be released to the public this March, so March of 2018. Uh, so mark that date on your calendars, mark that time frame, keep your ears to the ground, and uh, and once that release becomes available, uh, it's gonna it's gonna go like hotcakes in my in my uh, assumption here just because of what this is going to offer to the market. Okay, final question. So if someone would like more information on ND Mail or perhaps want to see a demo or has pricing mm -hmm. questions, how how do they get that information? Absolutely. So if you go to www.netdocuments.com, there's an option there to request a demo, which includes ND Mail or uh, you can email directly to info at netdocuments.com. That will come to not just the podcast information for Mike and myself, but also will get you in touch with the appropriate people to line you up to see ND Mail and get more information about it. Ah, great. Well, thanks for that information, Stephen. ND Mail really is exciting. Hopefully you can hear the excitement in our voices. We're, we're just very pumped about this. So thanks for tuning in to segment one. We're going to be right back with segment two with our interview with J.B. Traxler. We want to welcome J.B. Trexler to our, our podcast. In fact, J.B. has the distinct honor of being the very first interviewee that Stephen and I have. So, J.B., please, please go easy on us today. But to start off, do you want to kind of introduce yourself and, and tell us a little bit about who you are? Yeah, that would be great. Thanks, Mike. Um, so my name is J.B. Trexler. I am the Senior Director for Professional Services at NetDocument, and I've been here just shy of two years. So we're coming up on the two-year mark, which, man, it seems like that's flown by uh, really fast. Prior to that, I was at a third-party consultancy. I worked for HBR Consulting for 11 years, and before that, I worked for iManage for four years. And uh, that's that was at least the, the start of my legal career. So I've been doing this just shy of about 18 years and uh, and been working with clients ever since. And you're still around. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's that's good. Um, so, you know, one of the things that we want to that we'd like to. Uh, introduce with each guest that we have on our show is we'd like to know a, a unique fact about you specifically. So is there anything sure. you can, you're comfortable sharing with us? Uh, comfortable sharing. That's the interesting question. Uh, no, just kidding. Um, <laughs> I um, yeah, Oddly enough, I did not get my start, nor did I, if you would have asked me when I was 18 years old, if I would have done anything in computers, I probably would have said you're nuts. Uh, at least even on the in in the legal vertical, uh, my passion in life and and throughout high school has was was music uh, you know even growing up at a very young age, so I spent a lot of time learning how to play the piano, uh, playing the guitar, uh, doing things inside of musicals, uh, singing, performing all of that sort of thing and I swore that that is what I wanted to do uh, when I grew up right and then uh, reality sort of set in, and I realized um uh, the, that uh, there were other things out there, and uh, 
so I still occasionally do, um, you know, some singing and, and uh, play guitar and things like that. But uh, at some point in my 20s, I took a turn for technology and, and never looked back. And I've been loving it ever since. But uh, my, my, my goal was to somehow be on Broadway somewhere. But, uh, you know, didn't, didn't realize that one. <laughs> you know, Mike, I, I, think, uh, I think we just had uh, an epiphany of what needs to come in a later podcast. And, and JB... Uh, I'm going to refer back to what happened on episode one. Mike was sharing with us his unique fact, and it was his love for Barbara Streisand. Ah. And so coming in the future, now that we have the musical talent of J.B. Trexler, <laughs> I think our performance is growing. So, like so stay tuned. Stay tuned. I like where this is headed. You know, Stephen, I was hoping that, that JB's musical ability would deflect the whole Barbara Streisand thing off of me. Oh. Thank you for bringing it up. I appreciate it. No, that. that will never be <laughs> deflected. That will never be deflected. <laughs> you know, it only gets enhanced. The thought, the thought that I had as JB was talking about that is I've always wanted to form, you know, we do our, our annual CIO event, our annual partner conference, and I've always wanted to get a Net Documents band together to perform at one of these events. I think we just found the backbone of our of our Net Documents band. We just got to come up with a cool name. So to our I listeners, so to our listeners, all three of them, if you have if you have a suggestion for a Net Documents band name uh, that we could use to play at these events, please by all means. Submit it to us, info at netdocuments.com. That's our email address and how you can reach us. I'm okay. going to toss one out there right now, and we'll just call ourselves the cloud, but that's just, you know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Perfect. I, I, I could deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, kind of into a, a little bit more serious stuff and, you know, more along your professional lines is, you know, you hear at NetDocuments, you manage our professional services and do implementations and you're involved quite, uh, quite frequently on, on implementations. Um, and with your background in iManage and other types of implementations as well, I'm curious, are there unique challenges to implementing on a mature cloud platform versus, say, an on-premises platform. Absolutely, yeah, that's a great question, and I think there's there's several ways to answer that, and I don't know how long we have. So, do we have a couple days? Is that how long we have for this? Uh, <laughs> Keep talking, man. Uh, we'll cut you off when we're done. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, I think you know it's 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 really interesting if you break an engagement down, and and if you're looking at a cloud implementation versus on-premise, obviously there's a number of other factors that influence implementations. Uh, one obviously being the customer, uh, you know, what, what state their data is in, typically the size of the customer. There's, there's a number of factors that go into that. But if you're going to look specifically at cloud versus on-premise, sure. I think, you know, when you're looking at an on-premise implementation, one of the factors that goes into it is hardware cost, right? So most on-premise installations you need additional hardware. You have to purchase hardware and size it and get it uh, tuned properly, installed properly. There's licensing that goes with that. Uh, also, at the same time, uh, you know, making sure that you get the right specs. All of that plays into the performance of your system as it's, as it's going to perform on-site and, and firm's budget, uh, you know, plays into that. The second thing is, you know, you're going to need the staff to maintain that hardware and the software of whatever you're installing. You know, on-prem, uh, nobody's managing that for you. Uh, there are some cases now where certain firms and, and third parties are offering managed services, but regardless, the firm is still ultimately responsible for 
their hardware and software on site and they have to maintain it. Um, with a mature cloud implementation, that, that layer goes away, right? They don't, they don't have to fuss with the hardware. They don't have to worry about uh, maintaining that hardware or, you know, the, the equipment, what happens if a, if a card or a drive goes bad. Uh, all of that goes away. That's, that's taken on by the vendor uh, in, in a cloud implementation. And, you know, it's specifically, in, in our case, it, it's taken over by us. Uh, so that, that eliminates, I think, a, a large piece or a large hassle of, of an on-prem installation versus something going into the cloud. Now, that being said, there's also trade-offs, right? So, um, you know, there's performance implications there, meaning when you're implementing an on-premise piece of software, the performance is going to seem a little bit faster. Assuming you've done your hardware sizing and everything properly, uh, it's going to seem a little bit faster for those people. And the reason is you're not, you know, everything's right there. It's local. You're, you're not having to deal with latency implications or, or any WAN issues or going out across of the internet. And, and so there's a trade-off. And, and I think that's, uh, you know, one that, that's considered a lot of times, uh, but the trend is definitely, you know, favoring the, the, the trade-off for performance in favor of you know all of the benefits that you get behind a cloud implementation um, and you know i think one of the other things that's that's interesting too that, that we're kind of seeing there is a lot of people have been concerned about moving from an on-prem to a cloud solution and, and what that's going to do for their staff I, I think what's what's really interesting is we're seeing that it's freeing the staff up to do more things internally uh, to to help the business grow and to to focus on profitability one of the uh, customers that I spoke to recently their their DMS admin used to spend a ton of time maintaining the system right on uh, unlocking documents ch uh, checking documents back in trying to find lost documents that sort of thing and and that seemed to be their their day-to-day -day routine whereas now uh, with with things being in the cloud they have spent time actually going to practice group heads and saying how can I help you, you know, focus on your business or make you more productive, right? You've got this DMS software. How can I help you use that or improve your workflows? And, it, and so, you know, it's turning things from a, a reactive mode in, in maintaining software to one of, of proactivity and saying, okay, how can I help your business grow and how can we make you more profitable? So uh, really, you know, different things there. So I kind of segued a little bit, but, uh, you know, that's, that's the difference that I see in, 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 a, in a cloud implementation versus on-prem. You know, great. Thank, thanks for that response. And one question that came to my mind as, as you were going through that is obviously there are differences between the two. Because of those differences or even other factors, do you find that a cloud implementation has the potential to be quicker than an on-premise implementation or are factors still make it about equal? I think all things being being equal, they're they're about the same. Obviously, you're you're removing a hardware layer, uh, but you're still spending time. You know, the rest of the things sort of fall into place. You're still spending time trying to figure out what your workspaces are going to look like. Uh, you know, how you're going to migrate your data and 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 those particular things. So, well, it has the the propensity to be a little bit quicker. Uh, it, it's uh, it's probably about the same. So JB, as I've as I've been listening, you know, there's all these challenges that you face when implementing a document management solution, whether it's on cloud or or on premise. One of the things I, I'm curious about, and all the time you've spent in the legal vertical, either in a consulting fashion and or in the role you're in today, you know, you've been at Net Documents now for two years. What's some things that you've learned since coming to Net Documents or since uh, initiating the implementation cycle into the Net Documents cloud? That may be something you didn't know or didn't uh, didn't have uh, within your uh, your tool set since coming 
again, from your background in Outunet documents? Sure. Yeah. Um, another great question, I think. I, I You know, just uh, what's interesting is I'm getting a more, uh, well, I should say a broader perspective on the legal vertical here. Uh, than in my my previous engagement. So, you know, at HBR, our, our primary focus was on the AM Law 200, right? So dealing with very large firms. Uh, here at NetDocuments, we see uh, all manner of firms. It could be, you know, a one or two person firm all the way up through, you know, 1,000, 1,500, 2,000 user firms. And so the the level with which you approach one of those larger firms versus uh, a, a smaller or medium-sized firm is a little bit different. And uh, you have to be a little bit flexible flexible regarding, you know, the, the processes and, and, and how the firms are organized. I think, you know, the, the, the main sort of business of law is the same across all of those. However, the tools to implement and the way in which uh, things are managed is, is different across those those different size firms. So that that's definitely, you know, one area of change is, is getting in a unique perspective on the different size firms. And um, another is you know, it's quite an interesting time. Right now, there's this sort of changing landscape that I'm seeing where, uh, I don't know, just even, you know, five, 10 years ago, uh, everything was still on-prem, right? So it was, okay, what are you implementing? What are you implementing? Everybody's looking around and doing what everybody else is doing. But um, the hardware was really the the limiting factor in the software. Now we're at a, a stage where Firms are moving their business model over. They're going to more of that uh, cloud-first, um, you know, model and trying to get rid of some of the on-prem software and hardware. And I think that's really an, an interesting landscape to be in right now because it's 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 ultimately affecting not only you know the legal industry but all of the other you know corporate legal, corporate itself. All of those things are, are moving towards a cloud-first uh, area. And I think. That really has been um, eye-opening for me is to, to see the transition as, as businesses move to that model. No, that's great, and I, I completely agree. It's fascinating to watch that movement. Just a, an additional question based upon that response. You know, we have a lot of people moving, uh, not just to that cloud-first initiative, but to net documents in order to have, again, all of the all of the technologies that come with an advanced, mature cloud platform. And, and we're seeing more and more people move into the net documents platform every day. So in your seat, where, where you're at, helping firms and, and, and managing that implementation process, what are some key tips or tricks that you would give to people that are looking to start a net, a net documents implementation? Yeah, great. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. It all, to me, regardless of the size of the firm, I don't care if you're a uh, 2,000 user firm or a you know 20 user firm. It all comes back to knowing your data, right? And and that uh, to me is is the core or the key with any migration or with any move. Uh, it's it's all about your data. What do you have? What are you using? And and your workflow and your users. We do a lot of time. We spend a lot of time and and do a lot of analysis, uh, as you all know, Steve, um, on mm-hmm. understanding the data behind a, a a customer or a client. They come to us. We do analysis on what they've got, and that really drives all of the business decisions that that need to be made, as well as the technical solutions for those. So, I would say absolutely know your data. Listen to experts. Uh, listen to us. Listen to whomever you've hired. If it's a third-party consultancy, uh, listen to those people that have been doing this for a long time, and and don't be afraid to involve your users, right? That's that's the other thing. I think where we see a lot of these projects fail is when IT or another division, it could be you know governance records, tries to drive these initiatives or these projects forward just you know by rule of fist. It's it's not going to happen that way. And and I would I would strongly encourage every every 
project to involve the users at some level uh, in, in terms of getting buy-in, looking at the, the design and, and understanding how the system works, because unless that happens, you're, you're not going to get uh, adoption, right? So that would be one, one sort of one tip there. The second, I think, is, you know, not to, to uh, the analogy I like to use a lot is when you're migrating from one system to another, it's a lot like moving houses. So if you've ever moved from one house to another, there's a couple approaches you could take. You can you can take. So one is you pack everything up, you don't label the boxes, right? You just kind of move it from from one room into the other, and you you dump everything and and figure it out as you go. The second is you could actually take your time, throw some stuff out, uh, you know, get rid of the stuff you don't need label everything nicely and then move it over that way when you go to unpack it and get it into the new house you know where everything is going and you're not left with a mess right so the approach that we try to take is look it's not a simple matter of moving your data from point a to point b it's it's an opportunity to clean up that data it's an opportunity to uh, take what was not working and make it work so don't be afraid to spend some time analyzing your current workflows. Take a look at what works, what doesn't work, and try to map that into the net documents environment. Um, and, and finally, don't don't try to make your your new document management system work like your old document management system. Right? There's differences in in every single platform. Take the time to study and really understand what makes net documents great and play into that. Don't don't try to just mimic or copy the system that you're coming from because that's that's a recipe for disaster. Um, and, and so those those really are the, the, the three things that I would I would recommend for anybody that's just kind of starting out on a project. That's great insight, JB. So I'm I'm curious, you know, you've been in, in quite a few migrations to net documents. What are some trends that you see as firms and other professional organizations migrate to net documents? As an example, are you seeing uh, metadata consolidations or simplifying their lookup tables or processes that are able to be streamlined because of using net documents versus perhaps what they had before? Um, yeah, so I think regarding that, definitely we see, we see a lot of data transformation, right? So there's a lot of, uh, usually depending on what system they're coming from, document types are typically out of control, unless they've done a good job of managing those up till now, but it's not uncommon to see 100 plus document types. And uh, I would say out of all of the analysis that we do, I would be shocked if over maybe 10 document types were used more than uh, you know 10% of the time. So you usually come back to the same 10 document types, even though you've got 100 different classifications. So we see that opportunity where a lot of people are taking the time to consolidate and really understand what document types they need versus the ones that are just spurious and, and, and you know, don't need to be there. Um, that would be one. I think the other change that we're seeing in the industry is uh, people are becoming a lot more security conscious. I mean, back in the days of, uh, you know, I remember not even you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, somewhere in there, it, the the environments were wide open, meaning if I was a member of, let's say, the uh, real estate practice group, I could view documents from litigation or I could view documents from um, intellectual property. And what we're seeing now is a more security conscious firm, you know, given some of the events that have happened in, in uh, recent months, years. Uh, a lot of law firms are, are, are taking the time now to lock down their environments and they use the uh, conversion from one system to another as a as sort of a, a, a an impetus for change. So they will start to lock down their their systems, meaning you know 
practice groups are only going to be able to view their own documents or their own material unless something goes into a knowledge management cabinet or something along those lines. So we definitely see a large number of firms uh, doing security migrations at the same time as a, as a DM migration. Those are really the two big trends uh, that I'm, I'm seeing right now in the field. And as far as data cleanup, you know, most firms that at least that I interacted with when I did implementations had not, not the best data set. Do you typically see firms are doing data cleanup beforehand in their original system, or do they migrate over and then clean up the data once it's in that documents? Our advice is always to clean it up before. And the reason for that is, is you know, going back to that moving house analogy is, you know, you don't want to just box your stuff up, get it across and, and dump it. Um, you know, that does not make for a clean user experience. They, they inherit the same problems that they had. When we, you know, one of our goals in professional services, when we turn over an environment to a firm, we want to ensure that the users are happy that they've got a, a new environment, that it's, it's shiny, they like it, you know, as opposed to bringing over some of the baggage from the old environment or, or possibly some mistakes and workflows that, that existed prior. So we spend a lot of time in our design phase on the data itself and trying to ensure that we're cleaning things up, that uh, everything is getting resolved so that when it moves or pivots over into the net documents environment, that it's, it's nice and clean and pristine. So that, that's our advice. And, and the reason for that is, is twofold. One, it's easier to do ahead of time and migrate it and, and get it in and, and go for a good user experience. If you bring it in after the fact and try to clean it up, you know, one, the users aren't going to be happy, but two, uh, it can also be you know, it can take a lot of time to go through and, and clean everything up before you see those results. And it, it just ends up being messy all the way around. You know, JB, I, you've shared so much insight as far as implementing net documents. And, and clearly your your experience is so vast in helping firms, law firms, organizations make their way not just to the cloud to net, but to also to net documents. Um, one final question that I have for you here, again, from your vantage point, I mean, you know, you, you're obviously a part of the Net Documents professional services teams and, and oversee a lot of the implementations taking place by uh, Net Documents, but you also play a heavy part, I believe, into uh, in implementations that are being led by one of Net Documents certified partners. So, an additional consideration that I think a lot of people are, are curious about when they've selected Net Documents as their cloud platform, as their cloud provider. What considerations should they be looking at when they're uh, choosing between a net documents-led implementation or one of those certified partners-led implementations? Yeah, um, perfect. Great, great question. I think, you know, with, with regards to, to that, you have to kind of take a look at what we do versus what third-party consultancies do and really, truly, what are the needs of the firm? If, it, if it's just a DM engagement, meaning you're moving – uh, your DM system from from one to the other, uh, that there's there's definitely um, some some crossover and some bleed there. But for third-party consultancy organizations, they specialize not only in DM but you know entire life cycles of of the matter or or other areas of the law firm. So uh, you know a lot of firms, uh, larger firms that have an information governance and records management policy may use. Uh, the, the migration of a DM environment to modify that, that policy, right? So they might need some help modifying what their IGRM policy is. They might need help uh, formulating or, or uh, formal, formalizing a, an official document management policy. Uh, in addition, you know, there are areas of expertise that they have in, in dealing with lawyers. So one of the 
things that we do in, in workspace design and professional services, net documents, professional services, we will let the firms conduct the workshops with their lawyer teams to go through and design workspaces and come back to us with, with all of the feedback. Um, some firms may not be comfortable with that, and that's where uh, third-party consultancies might be able to, to help out and conduct those interviews for them. You know, they specialize in, in not only net documents, but in workflows. They've, they've had experience in the, the legal industry, so they'll go in and talk to the practice groups and, and get that feedback and help guide them to make better decisions. Um, in addition to that, you know, dedicated project management on the firm side. Uh, you know, some some third-party consultancies can provide, you know, dedicated PM resources for some of those firms that may be thinly staffed. Uh, so there's there's a number of benefits there, and I, each one is unique. So our focus on the Net Documents Professional Services team is purely the DM platform itself, making sure that you have the best experience getting from your DM environment, whatever it is now, to the Net Documents platform. Whereas third-party consultancies will be able to provide other services around that to sort of help with the workflow within the firm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think there's so many considerations that need to be made, uh, not just when moving to the cloud, when moving to net documents, when getting into a document management solution in general. And your your expertise definitely shows here, not just from your time you've spent at net documents, but your your history um, in, in consulting firms as one of those third-party uh, partners doing the consulting side. And and we appreciate you sharing your your expertise and your insight on uh, on today's interview. And I think you know I. I wouldn't be surprised if we have a lot of follow-up with this uh, from our three listeners out there. If you have additional questions for JB um, or about implementing net documents in general, again, as Mike mentioned earlier, info at netdocuments.com. Send those our way. And, and JB, we may, may need to have you back again in the future to be able to, to build off of this conversation. Not a problem. I'd, I'd actually like to come back on to hear more about uh, Barbara Streisand, but the that's that's probably another topic. So. <laughs> well, it, never, it'll come up again. I'll be. I'll, I'll make never, sure of it. I'm never going to live that one down, am I? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that speaks for itself, Mike. Yeah. Yeah, JB. Thanks. <laughs> thank you for your time. We we appreciate it. We know how busy you are, and and our three listeners thank it. Thank you as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Great. Welcome back to our last segment of this podcast. And as Stephen and I were planning and preparing for this, we wanted to add something a little bit different that we, we haven't done. And I think we, we may try to make this a, a regular little clip in our podcasts. But uh, I'm always interested in unique trivia, unique facts, and things that are completely useless. Yet you hear it and you go, wow, that's kind of cool. So I've got a unique fact for you. That fact is back in 1923, there's a jockey named Frank Hayes. He won a race at Belmont Park in New York, despite being dead. So he did, he suffered a heart attack mid-race, but his body stayed in the saddle until his horse crossed the line for a 20 to one outsider victory. That's, uh, that's quite the unique fact. And I got a good chuckle as I heard that. <laughs> I just want to know, you know, from his fan base, what that day was like between the excitement of winning versus the devastation. <laughs> I, I don't know. Talk about bittersweet, right? I know, right? That is the epitome. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay. So to wrap up our, our podcast today, we're going to, 
go out with our, our, our questions for each other that kind of expose a little bit our personalities and who we are. So, Stephen, I'm going to ask you a question first. I'm ready. And I'm going to put you right on the spot, whether your wife listens or not. What celebrity oh, no. would you rate as a perfect 10? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. And if my wife is listening to this, uh, she would. She already knows the answer uh, because she's posed these same questions to me on a regular basis. And uh, I think uh, from a perfect 10, oh, my goodness, I, <laughs> I, I've always – uh, my answer to my wife when she's asked me the same question is uh, none only than the Miss Kate Beckinsale. Ah, very, very and, nice. uh And I have to say, one of the things that add to, adds to that is uh, is her lovely accent. I just think the British accent is uh, is uh, is it just as winning in my list. <laughs> Good, I will not disagree. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Well, I'm going to take it on a on a different scale for you today, Mike. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to. You're, you're really gonna have to dig into your memory and think about this, and uh, and this likely won't embarrass your wife okay. unless it has to, unless you you've purchased something before uh, in this conversation. <laughs> but my question for you is: You've been out there looking across the world for sales as a consumer in the market. What would you say has been the worst? Buy one, get one free sale of all time. In my mind, it probably would not be a good sale. Buy one, get one free, a coffin. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully that doesn't doesn't have to happen. <laughs> I, I I sure hope not. But uh, yeah, that's what I would have to say. So uh, anyway, hopefully you never question. had to. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning into our podcast this time. We're glad you're here. We hope our listenership grows from three to at least four, maybe five if we're lucky. Thanks everyone again for joining. And just remember, until we meet again, keep your head in the clouds. Mm-hmm.